Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, an ambiguously sponsored podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. And Glenn, how are you enjoying podcast limbo? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I'd like to think at my age, I've had my seasons of limbo and have gotten better at it as I've gotten older. Um, so I'm doing okay. All right. Yeah, I, I just wanted to start with a note that... Uh, while we don't technically know what our future is with SB Nation, uh, and while we will be uh, handcuffed but my, by my technical limitations, I could probably set up a podcast and get it hosted, and I've done that in the past. Uh, I just need to remember how. Uh, <laughs> but if we do get nixed, we will exist in some form, one or another. Yeah, good Good to know. I, um, when, I had, when I had a podcast, I paid someone to do all that. Um, <laughs> But yeah. so, but I, it's only fair that I pitch into. So we're gonna have to find a, a weekend hour or two or something where you can train me on some of those tasks so that the I'm uh you know carrying carrying my own weight here for the podcast. <laughs> All right, uh, I, I've also heard that if an opposing player misses two free throws in the fourth quarter and you show up with a last two minute report, you can get a free Chick Fil A chicken sandwich. Oh, that's that's better than the Nuggets, right? It's a whole sandwich. <laughs> yeah. How about that last two-minute report? How are you feeling about that? Ow! Wait. Oh, man. Terry Rozier just kicked me. That was weird. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it was factual, you know. So um, sometimes I think when it's a closed call, they'll, you know, protect their officials some. Which, I mean, you know, I like when my employer has my back when it's, like you know, uh, you know. If he, you know, kind of 50 50 thing or whatever, but that that's just, I mean, I immediately it's like, I can't believe they called that. You know, that's the, that's like one of the most obvious interpretation calls that is like very well socialized across the, the officials. So, uh, so yeah, it's hard to, hard to bounce back with that little bit of time left. The Hawks had a two timeouts and a possession, but, you know, they win the game if that, if that foul's not called. So it's sort of stuff. I actually do think that it has some value just because Jalen Johnson had been playing pretty confidently of late, and I, you don't want to yep. see a play like that mess with his head, and I, I think it'll help him to know that you know, he didn't do it. I think there was some saltiness at the end of the game between Trey and Nate, and I think that helps there as well. Just they they can They can point at a third party instead of at each other. So, right. you know. I think there's 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 some you know normally you look at it and you say well so what that doesn't have any value but I think that was such a fatigued uh, emotional game uh, that was sort of charged in a few different ways and I think you know just just being able to look somewhere else and say yeah we we kind of just need to flush that one I think that can be helpful yeah that, I had thought of that that's a good point it was I mean you'd hope that irrespective of what the L two M said. That a coach would say, "Hey, that was a bad call," you know. Uh, and it's kind of funny, like you know, you see the worst of kind of fan um, venting, I guess, after a close loss against, especially against a team with a, a terrible record like Charlotte. But Jalen shouldn't even put himself in this situation. Did you see how many three point shots Terry Rozier had made in that game? You don't want Jalen to close out. Come on, get out of here with that stuff. You know, it was a good closeout. He challenged the shot. He contested the shot legally. So, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, Jalen's getting some pat on the back for deploying the right technique there, you know. So, 
Um, I want to ask you, because I mean, the other thing I heard a lot about um, was why is Trey inbounding the ball, the smallest guy, the other team consistently puts their big man right in front of him. Um, and, you know, I, I, I sort of see two sides of the argument. One is like, okay, he's, he's, he's not going to have much, as much space as a, say a six, seven person or whatever. We all remember like Jalen's inbound to AJ against the, the bulls, you know, for the game winner. Right. In that case, Jalen was the inbounder, but a lot of people, a lot of Hawks fans are like, ang- like, like angry about Trey being put in that spot. So I, I like, he's your best passer. He's the best passer on the team by quite a bit. So I kind of get that, especially in a short clock situation, you want the most accurate pass you can get. On the other hand, it is tough that they put a you know six ten, six eleven guy right in front of him. What what's your thought on that decision to to use Trey's and inbound in that, that kind of situation? I think it's fine. You know, it seems perfectly reasonable. I actually I wanted to backtrack to what you said about Jalen. Like I I do think that while that that was a legal closeout and whatnot, I do think you want him to get. I, I would like to for him to give himself a little bit of a bigger margin of error to avoid that foul call. Like I kind of feign and feign the closeout a little bit more and, and kind of be there and you know try to look like you're going to close out that space. But I don't think you want to be up that close. Uh, I just it just seems like it's a little too easy to be in a foul situation, even if that one wasn't. I don't know. I, it just seems like on those plays, more often than not, what ends up being the deciding factor is whether or not a foul is called, not whether or not the shot goes in. Uh, I don't know. I think I'd like to see him a little bit further, a little bit more space between him and the shooter there. I know that the shot can go in and whatnot, but the thing I'm most concerned with with there is a foul. Yeah, the way the way that I I understand that's coached the most is stay away from the elbow, stay away from the body, contest it up high, you know, and that's, I mean, to me, like the way it's taught is the way he did it. So, but I mean, you know, there's this other plus, like make him make the shot, right? Make yeah. him make that shot. So, you know, maybe a, a little more clearance. Um, I, I don't know. But he, he did, in my mind, he made no mistake. Yeah. You know, in my, in my, in my view. Right. So it took a, a bad call on the official's part. And, you know, and, and there's other discussion around should the NBA be able to, I mean, like I said on Twitter, like did the other two officials not see the play? Could they not like huddle? And it seems like in other sports, like officials and umpires and referees kind of lean on each other. You know, what did you see? What did you see? Kind of a situation. So it just surprises me. Like, I mean, that is an obviously wrong call. It was like in real time, I was like, I can't believe, you know, we all know the high five is legal. High five, well, you hear it all the time. It's it's yeah. like, you know, so it's I, I, you know, I know the NBA doesn't want to make their the end of the game situation longer. You know, like a, a couple seasons ago, they went from <laughs> you can only carry two timeouts uh, under the three minute mark for that exact reason because literally, like back in our day, like the last five minutes of the game would take a hour and forty five minutes. It <laughs> felt like you know everybody would say set on all their timeouts until the last few minutes of the game. So now the NBA wants to be cautious about having, you know, really, really, really long games. But, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's something to if you get – if you win your challenge, you get one more or so, – I, I don't know. But because um, that it's hard, you know, that short of clock, it's hard to kind of come back and get yourself a kind of shot you're looking for. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. Trey's got to get the ball into somebody. You know, I'll say that. And I know he seemed frustrated. Um, like, like you mentioned, uh, I don't know if you want to expand upon that at all, but he well, definitely looked frustrated. It, it's very weird. And, and I've, uh, I've argued the flip side. So it, it's going to seem weird for me to argue this now. Um, But it's hard for me to see Trey bust his butt playing defense for five games better than he ever had in his career. I, I To me, I think for that sure. was his best five-game defensive stretch in five years. Agreed. I would leave him in. I would say, you know what? You heard, buddy. You're playing defense. And so for him to get pulled, get pulled for Jalen, have Jalen commit the foul, he's probably thinking, you know, why am I killing myself on defense for this? And, and you know, by the numbers, it's probably better to put Jalen in there. But I think there's an emotional, psychological element that you reward Trey there. Not, you know, there have been all kinds of situations where he's been on for single defensive possessions in this season. And it's like, no, why? No, God, no. And like now, in, in this one instance, I would do it. I would put Trey and say, you know, here's your certificate of playing badass defense for a week. You're in there. Um, and so Positive I think that might have been why, you know, it was a little bit emotionally charged for him late. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it'd be interesting. He's um, yeah, usually pretty good with the media, but he doesn't give you any information you don't, that's not specific to the question that you've asked typically, right? So uh, I didn't get to see uh, post game there. Yeah, Nate Nate was very short with his answers and you know, Trey seemed upset but was more cordial and more willing to go into it. Um right. I actually asked him about what I want to ask you about next. I asked him about the trapping and and he, you know, he gave a lot of credit to the uh to the Hornets rookie center back up there saying that, you know, he was really effective in the trapping, but I wanted to ask you like you know, what did you think of, of the Hornets' use of trapping and maybe trying to force turnovers and, and, and transition and having that play into sort of the Hawks' fatigue? You know, what could the Hawks have done better against the trap? Because it seemed like it was getting them out of their rhythm. Well, I mean, so I continue to think that this is where they miss Gallo the most because the, last year they would use Gallo quite a bit. And Gallo didn't have any juice in that Miami series. I, you know, just should throw that out there. Um and 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 this year is kind of in bogey, you know. They'll run a guard big, um, you know, staggered screen, and kind of then bring kind of bogey, bogey back towards the ball, or use bogey in sort of a sort of a quasi kind of short roll situation. So, um, you know, I I I wish they would trust Anyeka more in short roll, you know, a lot more. I I'd like I think I trust John there as well. I think Anyeka is a little bit more skilled uh, for that. Um, but but John's been showing a lot more recently passing decision making. He's made some nice passes here in the last few weeks and things like that. So so I, yeah, but they that's just not something that they get to. That I think it seems like Nate is an old school old school coach believes in guards handling the ball, right? And that that kind of limits them uh, a little bit. And and it, to me, um, I don't want to get on like sound like I'm Nate bashing, but it is a it, I think I think a newer kind of generation of coaches are have see that differently, you know, than the, than the older school coaches do where it's like, I mean, even like if you just watch the Hawks broadcast, right. Dominique will say all the time, give the ball to your guard, give the, you know, give the ball to your guard. And, you know, 
and you know things like that and that is that is the, that's my generation you know i was a guard in high school and i barked at my big men if they were you know dribbling it more than once or something like that you know so so i just i just think there are options that they don't go to and i think that especially with anyaka and jc they they have that opportunity to kind of um you know to do that but i i don't think nate's gonna change you know at this point so um that's what i see all right. Uh, what, but, what but, go ahead. But, but, but you know, I mean, I I still think the biggest factor in the game was the Hawks' schedule. So six and nine. Oh, for sure. Travel in between each of the first five, and then straight into a back to back. So I, I I I made some notes here. In the first quarter, they made twelve, missed seven shots. Second quarter, made thirteen, missed nine. Third quarter, made eleven, missed eight. The fourth quarter, they made nine and missed 14. Now, uh, they were nine for 23. Charlotte was 11 for 23. The difference basically came down to Charlotte got 12 free throws. The Hawks got four in the, in the fourth quarter. <laughs> it's harder to defend without fouling uh, when you're tired, you know. And, you know, could there's something to be said for, like, could more, could Jalen have played more minutes and, and shorted the time of, the, of, like, DeAndre? Or, you know, could Aaron have played more, you know, on the second night of a back-to-back, could could AJ have played more? And, you know, I I think I think Nate feels like it seems like Nate feels like he's got to kind of shorten that rotation in the second half when the game's close, you know. And um, I still wish Jalen would play more, um, you know. But I also understand Nate's trying to get his team kind of. I presume he's thinking like we got to break out of this pack, you know, that we're in and kind of start pushing up towards the top six. Um, and and closing some ground kind of gives ourselves a chance to kind of get up there. So I understand. I, I mean, I kind of that aspect. I kind of understand where the coach is coming from. But at the same time, it's like you know, six to nine. Uh, you know, probably probably the roster depth issue that we all saw heading into the season is probably factor number one there. You know, maybe if there were one or two more kind of vets that are in that ten, eleven, twelve spot. Um, you know, could Justin have played some during this stretch, you know, at some point to kind of help you out? I, I think he's, I don't think he's complete garbage like half the fan base <laughs> to think. Um, but they, I mean, despite, I, I mean, I could see, I don't know if you agree, but on their jump shots in the fourth quarter, their legs were just gone. You know, they, nothing was going in out there except DeJounte kind of, you know, miraculously still kind of making a shot here and there and such. But, um, but they kept fighting and they kept playing hard. Um, if you want to call like what Rozier's shot making like something they should have shut down, that was just him pulling and making shots, which like he does sometimes. You know, I didn't think there was any kind of fundamental issue on defense there until they started kind of kind of fouling. So I mean, they the energy just their energy uh, they ran a gas, you know, in, in my mind. And Charlotte played hard, and Char- and and Steve Clifford always coaches up his team defensively. You know, so he threw some stuff at them. That was, to your point, beginning of this this part of the question conversation. They're tired, so we're gonna throw, we're gonna apply a lot of ball pressure. You know, so. But the, I mean, the other interesting thought I had today was out of these six games, if they were gonna take a loss, this is the game that you'd want them to take the loss because the other ones uh, have a um, a lot of those have an opportunity to kind of show up as a head to head kind of seating tiebreaker, where you presume Charlotte's not gonna not going to be in that range so i mean as much as you'd be like well you got to beat charlotte you know if they were gonna go five and one these six this is probably the, the way i'd pick it to go 
Yeah, there were some definitely some tired legs in the fourth quarter. I, I there was one where Trey got a floater and I honestly think he missed the floater because he was not used to being that open on his floater. It was like he leaned forward into it where he usually goes up. He kind of came forward instead. And it's like he was so open that he like changed his motion to try to kind of, you know, just aim the ball in. But it's like, you know, he probably should just shoot it the way he always shoots it as if there's a defender there because he he changed the motion and missed it. But you know, I, I thought the Hawks were ready for the Hornets sort of base defense. You know, Steve mm-hmm. Clifford plays a lot of drop. He's, you know, he's got his bigs like Plumlee and, and they're they're playing a deep drop. And the Hawks were the Hawks were ready. It, it kind of fed into DeJounte's uh hot two week stretch here. You know, he, he just got to the middle and just kept making floater after floater after floater. And I, I that's actually a question that I want to ask him. At some point, it's like, do you call what he shoots a floater? It's like this, like one-legged kind of one-arm. It's kind of a floater, but it's also kind of just this little flippy little jump shot. I don't know if, you know, Trey shoots a floater. like, But DeJounte's is like, I don't know. But you know what it is. You know, obviously his bread and butter shot there is to get to 13 feet and just kind of get up and reach it in. And, and he was doing that against the Hornets, as was Hunter, as was Trey. Like, they were... They were doing the thing on offense in the first half exactly like you'd want against that that style of defense. Yeah, yeah. I think back in the '90s or maybe even in the you know early you know 2000 2005, that would have been called a runner. Like no one calls a it runner. A yeah, run- that, yeah, that's fair. No, no one uses that term anymore, right? Um, but and and it seems like a push shot is only bigs. Like it seems like in. But Gargi's a push shot sometimes, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't um, call that a so, push shot. It's like I think a runner, yeah, runners. That's fair. Yeah, our young listeners are like, "What the world's a runner?" <laughs> that's fair. I like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think this game takes away from. Hopefully, it doesn't take away from their confidence. Um, from you know, I've been putting a lot of defensive clips out on Twitter around to your point earlier, like Trey more communicative, more engaged, taking response. Well, you and I talked a little bit about how he's taking some own responsibility to keeping himself out of trouble, you know, not waiting on a, on a teammate to scram him out of a situation or, you know, or, or get him out of low man or whatever. And so, you know, hopefully their vibe is, Hey man, we worked hard. We worked hard enough to get that win. Got a tough whistle at the worst part of the game. Let's just keep working. Let's keep, keep doing what we're doing and, and stay focused and, um, you know, and keep going. So, you know, let's, let's hope this isn't distract them or get them off track in any way. That's kind of hoping for it anyway. Yeah. Uh, any other places you want to go? The other, other things from the Hornets game, the Knicks game? Uh, I mean, the Knicks, I, you know, they're just a different team without Mitchell Robinson. I mean, it, it, he it's right. fun. I, my opinion of him is funny because – He's so naturally disruptive as a defender, even though he still makes a ton of mistakes. He's getting better. He, he gets a little better every year, um, but he still makes a ton of mistakes. Um, but he's so big, and he plays with so much energy that he can use his athleticism and size to recover from mistakes, you know? And so I, I just – I don't I don't know how the Knicks kind of function without him. You know, I, I mean, I've always thought Hartenstein was one of the better backup centers in the league. Yeah. I thought it was a great signing for them. Yeah. Um, you know, and, um, you know, Jericho Sims is a young guy who I think, I think 
show some promise um, sure. offensively, more offensively. You know, he's a nightmare to keep off the offensive glass. Absolute you know, nightmare. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a fun. It, I, I just thought it was funny to watch a Nate team and the Tibbs team put up like 130 on what I don't, I don't remember what the score was, but it's like this I think is kind the of Hawks funny. got to 139, if I remember right. That's a lot yeah. of points. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, both teams were making, I mean, Julius Randle's been on the hot streak for a good four or five weeks now. And, and, and Brunson, you know, was a very capable, you know, kind of, kind of guard and stuff like that. But it is funny to watch both teams play kind of smaller guards and, Really need their big men, and the Hawks had Capella for not a full allotment of minutes, and you know Nyeka has been pretty good these last few weeks, and I thought that was probably the difference in the game was that for some stretches that the Hawks were able to defend the paint a little better, um, and kind of and kind of kind of go from there, um, you know. But it, I mean, it was interesting to watch the Hawks, and I put this out on Twitter. I think like the Pacers. I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna get this order wrong. You might have to help me with the last five, the five game winning streak. The Pacers they had to get. And Yaka all the way up the floor. Um, I won't go in order. Against Dallas, they blitz Luca. Against the Knicks, they switched in the middle and iced on the side. Um, and who, who am I missing? Raptors. Raptor, yeah, Raptors, a lot of switching in that game. Um, uh, the Raptors are just too big to not switch, you know. And then you get you came in to get Charlotte, and you were they were playing kind of playing more of a they were uh, high, I would uh, not a deep drop, but a kind of a mid drop and work over the screens, you know. And so I, you know, I still and I think Kiff oh, there was a heat tired. game too. Oh, there yeah. was a lot of fighting over screens. Was that one? A, a lot of fighting over screens, and then in the in the second half, they went to some selective switching, right? Um, there, um, to keep the ball out of the middle mostly. Um, so it's just like almost six. I mean, pretty much six different game depends on game plans and, and nine days. You have to assume not so much prep time, you know, get walkthroughs is, is basically kind of probably mostly what you're getting there. And that that's a lot. You know, that's a lot for a team. And against Chicago, um, so far this year they've switched a lot just to try to keep DeMar out of, out of his spots and to kind of keep some pressure on Zach, you know, and kind of go from there. So I, I, I presume they'll be switching one through five even. Uh, the Hawks are really trusting Clint a lot of wings you know, right now. Uh, and stuff so so but that to me that factors that factors too i i wanted to ask you this do you think that's all of the the variety of defensive schemes like is that why Jalen's maybe not playing so much or and i'm not picking on him but as a young guy you know and a young young big like the different schemes the scheme variation hits your centers and power forwards a lot harder than your guards and wings right so any thoughts on like that being a, a reason why Jaden's not playing as much right now? I mean, it could be. I mean, that that seems reasonable. It's I wouldn't say that there are a ton of good reasons. So if you if you strike one <laughs> that that seems sort of plausible, that that could be it. I mean, it's certainly a question that uh, you know I could ask. You know, one thing that came up the last time Nate was asked about. Uh, Jalen not playing that much as he said that he wants to use DeAndre at power forward more. Um, DeAndre's playing a lot of minutes. DeAndre, to me, DeAndre's to playing me. a concerning a number of minutes. Like, yes. if there's one thing that I look at in the rotation where it's like, whoo, you know, other than like Bogey playing 19 straight minutes, just the overall number of minutes DeAndre is playing. And he's playing great. 
but I, I would love to see that taper down just a little bit for his sake so that he has, uh, you know, his best, best path to, to being well and, uh, in April. I agree. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny. Cause I, I had someone on Twitter ask me about that. And I was like, you know, even when Hunter is playing at the four on offense, he still a lot plays the three on defense. Like they'll put bogey, they'll, they'll play bogey kind of at yeah. the four on defense, you know, which is, you know, more chasing over screens, more exerting in, in a lot of ways for him. You know, I mean, so, but bogey's also like, if you're worried about, he's, you know, certainly not the same kind of defender, but if you're worried about just sort of executing the scheme the right way, he's, uh, you know, he's going to do that. Like he's not going to make the mental mistakes. He knows yep. what's coming. For sure. And he's going to communicate. He's seen it all, you know, he, you know, where understandably Jalen's still, you know, earlier in his, um, you know, reps and all that. So, I mean, I've been on my, you know, I've been saying that Jalen needs to play. Jalen needs to play. They they're gonna need him. They need him to get better. They need to get him more. They need him to be more consistent. Although he's been pretty darn good for two or three weeks now, making shots even. Um, still good in transition, flashing on defense. And I, I just feel like down the stretch, they're gonna need him, and he needs to be playing. So now when they're you know winning five in a row, it's hard to kind of be too critical about whatever decisions they're making to kind of get them there. So. I just think it's more of a big picture kind of macro type thing that they need to play yeah. Jalen so that he's ad- ad- progressing and 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 getting to be a reliable rotation piece because they're they're gonna they're gonna need him. So that's that's my view. Um, you know, so it was a fun five game uh, winning streak. Won some important games against teams that we, like we talked about that they end up could end up with a, a material tiebreaker kind of situation. Another one of those tomorrow night with the Bulls. You know, um, and there's um, you know more. I think at the Heat again this week. Is that right? I I haven't. I forget now. Looking at kind of what that schedule is. They um, oh, they're going to be in Portland a, a week from tomorrow. I might go down. I might go down and c- try to catch that game in person. Want to see how my my schedule. If my schedule is like it was the last two weeks, I have no shot. <laughs> I have no <laughs> shot getting down there. But maybe I'll cross my fingers and see if my schedule will cooperate. It'd be nice to to get down there. So. Yeah, just hopefully they just go right back to playing the way they they've been playing. You know, I in in this game against the Charlotte, still the first two and a half quarters or whatever you want to call it, they were still communicating great on defense, working you know there, staying connected, all that sort of stuff. They just ran again. I know some I saw those Hawks fans are like, it's the Hornets. I'm like, these are still human beings. You know, <laughs> six and nine, all that travel, it's gonna it's gonna hit you. You know, especially when you're playing kind of a half man rotation through all that, you know, and Clint, you know, with some limited minutes there, you know, got to push and yak a little bit and um and all that. So, you know, it is there any rhyme or reason to DeJounte kind of getting back to the offensive player he was at the beginning of the season? Or is it just hot, hot cold rhythm, you know, anything you see there? Because he's been well, awesome. Yeah, I, mean, I just... Shots are just going in now. Shots are going in. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I mean, I do think that Trey has enabled him a little bit. I think he's a little, uh, you know, it it does seem a little more organic and a little less, uh, you know, sometimes early in the season you just kind of see the 
backcourt pass of, you know, Trey would fling DeJounte one and say, okay, it's your turn. Like, you know, it was like old Katie and Russ. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It just sort of seems more, uh, you know, more natural. There's a more natural flow to what they're doing to, to in, in my eye. I, I agree. I, yeah. I think on the court, Trey's showing more leadership than I've ever seen him with the communicating on defense and buying in and being invested down there. And then an offense with DeJounte's got to go and Trey gives him the ball, you know, and there's, you know, there's been a couple of games where Hunter's really gotten it going and, and you know, they've prioritized him uh, some as well. So, you know, I know everybody's mad that they lost the Hornets and they needed that game. Of course they needed that game. You know, we're, on, we're getting to the second half of the season here and it seems like every game, you know, number of games that are left just kind of makes that game more important than any other one you've had in the season because you're just you're running out eventually you're running out of time to kind of make up three or four games if that's where you land you know uh kind of in the standings but because we're human beings you know six and nine all that travel it doesn't bother doesn't bother me at all like i said i when i wrote down their shooting performance across all four quarters it didn't surprise me at all and if the refs don't blow that call, they win the game. So and they're on a six game win streak. So but I mean their games with the Bulls are always entertaining, you know. Uh so I'm looking forward to watching that one tomorrow night and um seeing uh um you know it's kind of funny because the last I think two times they played they've treated DeMar a little bit like they treated Julius Randle in that Knicks playoff series where they'll bring Clint across you know the paint and kind of just put another body on that side DeMar loves to work down near the baseline and I think the primary thing is to get him up when DeMar is closer to the nail that's when he's looking for contact and fouls when he's down on the baseline he wants a clean kind of turnaround um and so I'm, I'm fascinated to see what kind of defensive package they kind of bring out from the very beginning sometimes Nate will hold back that double and, and just kind of see how, say, DeAndre does with him, you know, and then and then maybe throw that out there if they kind of need to. So, I'm, you know, they've been a fun team. I'm expecting tomorrow now to be a fun game. I'm looking forward to seeing kind of what they throw at DeMar uh, from the jump, and hopefully there's just the good vibes are back. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this, and uh, we'll have to see what the future holds for us. Yeah, we'll have to <laughs> – We'll have to we'll have to see uh, you know where we land if if that's how it goes. But uh, sure, we'll land on our feet one or the other. Have a good night. You too. Thanks, Kevin.